Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hour number three to get right. We're Reggie KG on 105. Three the fan, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Mm-hmm. My man Alec Medford hold it down for you here on your Turn It On. Leave it on station 105. Three the fan, appreciate you joining us on Odyssey. And the Odyssey app. What's up with these guys signing one-year deals in the National Football League as NFL free agency already underway at Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at Atula, Alec mm-hmm. on the radio at 1020 tonight, a little AM on the FM. Surprise. What's that? Reg gave me the heads up this time. Yeah, oh, okay, good, 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 good. Because I'm good, courteous. Good, good, good. I'm so sorry. I, look, I, I say that, but, you know. I he, know you're going to be up for he it. He's not going to make no changes. That's the thing. He'll say he's now, sorry. Now, hold on. Now, wait a minute. Now, cut the music. Cut the music. Again? Now, I don't need you what is wrong projecting with what my relationship is going to be like with Medford. Like, we're working on things, okay? We've been working on things for a little while now. We have our bond of professional wrestling that ties us together. Wrestling. And we're working on things, okay? Is that okay with you? So you working on letting him know when he got a segment? Yes, I am. So you went from letting him know to not letting him know, and that's working? No, I went from never letting him know to sometimes letting him know to other times not telling him at all. Yeah, it's a cool 50-50 now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was, like, not at all to, like, 25%, then, like, to 50% now. So I'm working my way up to, you know, roughly 75%. If you say so. So I would appreciate if you respected, you know, our growth and our relationship here. As we work through this. Whatever, dog. <laughs> you, you got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Mavericks may not have it here in a moment. What are you talking about? Because they were up by 16 with a minute left in the third quarter. It is now down to four. The Dallas Mavericks up 99-95 on the Memphis Grizzlies. With a minute four left in the third quarter, they were up 96-80. to 80. Yeah, that lead is pretty much evaporated at this point as the Dallas Mavericks are clinging right now to a four-point lead with 7.37 left in the fourth quarter. Kyrie Irving putting on a show, though, 28 points, 10 of 19 from the field. Christian Wood, hello, uh, in 24 minutes. Whoa, more than 20 minutes in a basketball game for Christian Wood. How about I mean, it? Dwight Powell has four fouls. He got into foul trouble early. They was like, hey, we need another big to play out here. Oh, so he had to play. Got it. Got it. Uh, 15 points for Christian Wood and Jaden Hardy. Four or six from three. He's got 16 on the night. Yeah. That's, for your Dallas Mavericks. That's been huge for the Mavericks. That's basically what's had them ahead on this game is the way that they're shooting from deep as they are 11 of 28. A good for 39% compared to the Grizzlies who have not been shooting well from deep. Uh, 28% for them. And that really feels like the majority 
of the difference here between these two teams. And one thing that we were talking about, you were like, hey, man, what happened to that big old lead? And I was like, look what the Mavs. Whatever happened to that boy? Oh, no. Nope. No, I know Burman. But you were supposed to come in with the. What happened to that boy? Uh, No, but. uh, Shout out to Doug Collins. That's right. (laughs) Um. What was I saying? I'm sorry. No, you could. You could. You could. Okay, no, no. Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. You said what happened to that lead, which led to what happened to that boy. That's right. That's um, right. That now we're here. There we go. We're here. And you was about to take me right off track again, <laughs> weren't you? Uh no, it's just with the Mavs, like they've got to if they were want to maintain a lead at its height, they just have to keep scoring at the same rate because we know that they are going to uh, be somewhat leaky on defense in the nicest way that I could put it. And the tough thing about it is that they got into a spot where they weren't hitting the shots as they wanted to, and now they are in a place where this could be a one-possession game. That's that's the way that this goes for them. Shout-out to your man, uh, David Roddy, who just hit a bucket. Um, by the way, shout-out to Zoe Zaldana out here uh, hooping. She's got 20. Or, I'm sorry. Oh, was it Santi Aldama? Aldama, is that right? No? You know what you did. You know what you did. I was like, ain't no way you thought that was no Zoe Saldana. I was like, why is he bringing up? I imagine for you, Guardians of the Galaxy is where you would be mentioning Zoe Saldana from. But I was just like, what is he talking about? And apparently it was an elaborate joke to make fun of Santi Aldama. What is it with you and like the bench players for the Grizzlies? You just don't like them. I mean, (laughs) um, it's not that I don't like this. I don't know who the hell they are. Like, y'all had to introduce me last week to David, you know, Rowdy Roddy Toddy out here, uh, or Roddy, whatever his name is. You know what his name is. And because <laughs> he went off for, of what, 17 in the fourth quarter that one time? Yep, sure against, did. Against the Mavericks. Lots of effort. Big body. Boards. <laughs> shots. All that. Um, okay, we've done a lot of not talking about Dalton Schultz. I've had so much fun. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. All these uh, players in the NFL who have... Seemingly, while also being in um, in line for a big payday, at least some would think, or at least maybe their agents would think, mm-hmm. fall back on having to take what would appear to be prove it deals on one year. And like, I don't know that I don't know how you feel, right? Maybe we can talk something different about Dalton Schultz, right? Chauncey Chauncey Gardner Johnson didn't feel like he needed to prove anything to any of these organizations. Yeah, it ends up being one year, $6.5 million at its base with a chance to make $8 million. Pretty good situation for Gardner Johnson. He ends up uh, back with Aaron Glenn and uh, some other people that he was with with the New Orleans Saints. So certainly some familiarity there. Should be able to, to fit right in and succeed. But you're right, obviously very, very difficult free agency for Gardner Johnson. You know, the Saints, when he was back with them before they ended up trading him, made a long-term contract extension uh, offer to him. Did not accept it. They ended up trading him. Was with the Eagles. Had a successful season. They made an offer to him before free agency. What happens is there's only so much money and there's only so many chairs. So the Eagles make an offer to him. He does not accept it. They say, okay, they move on. They bring back Darius Slay. They bring back James Bradbury. And at that point, it was essentially done, leaving him with the best option being to land with the Detroit Lions. Further on this, so John Clark, who covers the Philadelphia Eagles for NBCS Philly, said that the Eagles made an offer to Gardner Johnson, a competitive offer at the start of free agency. He didn't accept, as Rappaport mentioned. And then they told he was told that he thought his offers would be bigger out in the open market. Eagles went about signing Bradbury, getting Darius Slade done, and now Gardner Johnson had to take a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions. 
Dalton Schultz also got a one-year deal today worth up to $9 million, the same exact deal that Mike Gusecki signed with the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. a one-year deal up to $9 million. There have been a lot of players who we've seen during this free agency period take one-year deals, and it smells like something is amiss here because whether players are misreading the market, now whether or not you believe this, because Dalton Schultz's agent refuted it, but Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated reported today that Dalton Schultz apparently turned down a three-year, $36 million contract offer from the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, wound up playing on tag last year for over $10 million. Again, he signs a one-year deal worth up to $9 million, and his agent refuted that remark. Is that correct? Yeah, it was uh, that Dove guy that Dove takes climbing. Dove climbing that takes everybody else's work and makes it his own. Aggregating professional. Yeah, yeah uh, Ari Myroff 2.0. He – Whoa, whoa, okay, Bobby Bell. All right, Bobby Bell. Yeah, I I don't like people who do that. But, Mm. yeah, he put that – he basically put Albert Breer's quote out, and his agent came back like five minutes after the tweet went viral, and he was like, absolutely false. So – he might just be covering his butt. I was about to say, there might know? be some posture in there. Not going to yeah, lie to you. Not, <laughs> I mean, look, he's not the only agent that was out here doing their negotiation out in the public. Let's go back to Mr. C.J. Uh, Gardner-Johnson, mm-hmm. right? Um, his agent was out here in these Twitter streets trying to defend himself. Right, let me find him. i got to find this uh, tweet. Do you have that available to you? I'm I looking was, forward to it, yeah. I was uh, fascinated that he was out here doing this in public. I was like, what do you stand to game here? Universal Sports Management at UniSportsMGMT mm-hmm. on Twitter. Perception versus reality. One-year real versus three-year fake. Which sounds better to you? One-year deal for $8 million or a three-year deal with the $24 million uh, max with $17 million in year three. And, of course, the point that he's trying to make or they are trying to make there is that they're really the same thing, just with uh, different money, you know, different structures and, the you know, funny ways of trying to manipulate the money and whatever, right? The idea for me is, like, I don't know what you stand to gain from doing this in public, especially, and maybe I guess the idea is get out in front of all the rest of these players and make it evident that you did not do this player wrong. Problem is, like, I have a feeling that players are going to view it however the hell they view it. Now, the larger context thing is why are all these players that ostensibly should be getting big deals mm-hmm. only getting one-year deals? One of the things that I was thinking about, obviously the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of folks is the idea of collusion, right? And that is maybe the more cynical way of looking at it, and the idea is that that would be more overt from team owners basically looking around and being like, hey, man, we not we not paying these high numbers, and if nobody breaks the line, then it is what it is, and we can all kind of be cool off of that, right? Um, if you want to be have a little bit more sympathy in the way that you view it, I found an interesting piece from Daniel Popper of The Athletic that I think kind of helps illustrate something in free agency. Okay. The question that I have is, I wonder if teams, in the ways that we've seen in like analytics and these things, as you get more information, one thing we found about sports is they've gotten kind of more homogenous because it feels like with the information, you can kind of pinpoint what you believe to be the right answer, quote unquote, and everybody's going to try and go for that right answer to try and make things work. When it comes to free agency, Popper did a little bit of a study, not an exact science because there's not like a war in football that's mm-hmm. accurate. The, the best thing maybe that we have is pro football reference, that stat head site. 
they do a a uh, metric called average value, which is an attempt to put like a single number on a player's performance and value. And when it comes to cash spent over the last three seasons of off seasons from 2020 to 2022 or two seasons or something like that um, of off seasons, the teams that have spent the most have gotten the most average annual value, but that's just like because it's an aggregate thing, right? When you start looking at the idea of the team rankings by average value per million, right? The Packers quite literally spend the least over this time period. By far, they hmm. spent the least. They had the best AV per million dollars, right? Okay. So, like, they got the biggest value. When you also look at it from the perspective of you rank it in a different way, you go, the, who are the top 10 agents uh, free agents when it came to average value. Um, you could look at the money because, like, obviously the, the average value you're getting is a lot of money, but if you look at the average AV per million, it's all usually less than one AV per million. The highest top 10 free agents by AV per million, Nelson Aguilar for the Raiders who gave them 7.6 AV <laughs> per million, right? <laughs> Kelvin Beecham for the Cardinals who gave them 6.7 AV per million. And those guys are on $1 million deals, $1 million deal. The best value in free agency, and maybe the Cowboys are on to something, I don't know, nobody wants to hear that, is only, is like those middling deals because your chances of outperforming them are saying significantly higher. The guys that come out and give you high value, yes, you're paying high money for them, but if you break it down by like the average value per your dollar, you're not getting the same value. And I wonder if teams are looking at that and going, why give out these big deals? If it's not going to make the most bang for our buck, even understanding that those players are obviously very good and can help your team. Now, again, I'm giving teams a lot of credit yeah. for, you know, doing being able to fight, you know, the lizard brain that goes, yeah, but they're a really good football player and just get the really good football player. Because sometimes necessity, whether it's like, yo, I'm on a clock and I'm about to get fired or we just really want to go all in and win. Yeah, there's other mitigating factors that come into play with there. Yeah. But if you just want to look at it from a value standpoint, which, again, I don't think is the I don't think it's a robust way of looking at it. It's very narrow. But if you just look at it that way, maybe just maybe teams have gotten homogenized in the spreadsheet analysis viewpoint of free agency. You know what it sounds like in an NFL similar ver- in a NFL small version way. What like last off season when uh, none of them baseball players would get paid? Uh, I wasn't necessarily thinking about that, but okay. there's a little bit of that. Sounds like Moneyball. Mm. What did the Oakland A's come up with? How do we find guys of value while still being able to pay them a certain amount of salary, but still getting the kind of production? relative to other stars and other players who may be getting paid more but would produce the same or being able to look at numbers and metrics and figure out the best way to put together a team based on value production money and them being a small market team I'm not saying that these NFL teams are quote-unquote small market teams but the concept being we can find the same kind of player for a smaller value and being able to pay that player such that we're getting more bang for our buck relative if we paid someone else who was a maybe a, a tad bit better more money. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. But the problem is, ways. I think we all understand, you are not getting the same value player or same quality player Yeah, for the difference in deals that are happening at times. However. But those are the chances you take. Right, right, right. So, I look. I end up being a little more pessimistic. I also look at the idea that, hey, man, these teams have so much money, right? There's organizations have so much money available. You already have this artificial cap that you put into place. 
look, I don't think I don't think rich or wealthy uh, thrift is cute by any means. I don't think so either. Right. Uh, that being the case, right, when these players have now gotten the leverage that comes with free agency, it feels to me like this is in some ways organizations trying to undercut free agency, which isn't unique to the NFL. It's not unique to sports. This is labor dispute 101. Like, these are how these things go. And if you can find a way to, you know, neutralize that market that forces you to kind of compete, you can end up in a place where you can, you know, make your money go further as an organization. And for fans, I understand fans are usually aligned with organizations. So you're just going to be like, yo, the team is being smart with their money. And I understand that perspective. Problem is, like as a player, you you have so much of this stuff capped up and t- dictated to you that these are the instances where you can make your money based off of your value. And maybe you could say that they just overvalued. And I don't think that t- players are overvaluing to the point where you go from possibly making or you end up making fractions of what you your value is thought to be going in. This may be a conversation we have to revisit either later on tonight or tomorrow because in some ways there could be an artificial resetting of certain markets mm-hmm. by NFL teams or it may be situations where players are looking at what NF- NBA players do, taking shorter deals with more guaranteed money to have bigger slices at the pie later as the salary cap continues to grow. Because if you're willing to take a one-year deal at $9 million now, knowing you can get back into the market where the salary cap continues to go up and your positional value may increase based mm-hmm. on what you do mm-hmm. this upcoming year, you may find yourself in a more advantageous position going forward in terms of maximizing your money in your pocket down the road. The problem that's always been there, though, with that idea in basketball, it's much more reasonable to expect that you can come back around next year. Football is not football is a war of attrition, man. Yeah. Like it is a sport of attrition. It beats people up. Like the idea of football and of course objectives change. But for the longest point, the idea and the objective was get as much money guaranteed over like over a contract to help mitigate the factor the fact that this thing is probably going to harm you. And you know, you want to get as much on paper as possible before you get to that point. I don't know. Maybe it is a refocusing of the way that agents and players go about it to try and just get money and, you know, go back to the, the um, negotiation table. I just I, I have a feeling that that is probably less likely than other things. But again, we could talk more about it at a different time. Coming up next on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. So much for the vaunted Big 12. What we learned from the first week of the NCAA tournament as we have a Sweet 16 set going into this week. We'll talk about it next on the Get Right. So Get Right, we're Reggie KG on 105, three of the fans. So much for the vaunted Big 12 in the NCAA tournament. As the Sweet 16 is set, only two of those teams coming out of the Big 12 conference. It's the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What's that Allie Med for holding it down for you here on your Turn It On, Leave It On station. Appreciate you joining us here on this Monday night. We'll go inside the gray area coming up here in about 15 minutes where some magic may be headed to Washington. I'll tell you what I mean by that. What? Next segment. You like that tease, don't you? The Mavericks, though, are doing some things we don't like. Because they are on the verge of completing an epic collapse in Memphis. The Mavericks were up 96 to 80 
with 104 left in the third quarter. That's a good score. 96 and three quarters, doing great. Before Christian Wood's three free throws that made the score now 112 to 108 in favor of the Memphis Grizzlies with four seconds left in the game, the Mavericks had scored a total of nine points in the fourth quarter. Is that good? No. Okay. Mavericks down 112 to 108 with with four seconds left in the ball game as it appears the Memphis Grizzlies are going to take one from the Mavericks at home without John Morant, who will be back, it appears, on Wednesday. We'll let you know when it officially goes final here in just a moment. Speaking of basketball, though, the NCAA tournament has a Sweet 16 set. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, how you want to play this? Because uh, you mentioned the Big 12, and that's the place that you wanted to, Ooh, boy. to discuss. It's, it's, it's a conference that I've talked a lot about, obviously, uh, heading into it. There was, I think they got in quite a few of their 10 members. Was it six or seven? I cannot recall. But if a fantastic amount of the members of the Big 12 made it in, and that's a conference that just beat up on each other, man. And uh, apparently that beating was uh, was plenty as they got a little bit more from other conferences. They only have two remaining. That's in right. The Sweet 16 out of the 64 teams that were, that were in there. Kansas State, one of them. Obviously, Texas, the other. Both, you know, at, uh, uh, near the top. But, of course, you should have known Kansas. Kansas be embarrassing themselves in the tournament. That's what they do. Um, that being said, what, what kind of things have caught your eye and caught your attention over the first weekend of NCAA men's tournament action? I think for me it is I start there with the Big 12 um, because we said that this was the premier conference in college basketball um, this past season. And Kansas knocked out at the hands of Arkansas. Shout out to Eric Musselman and the Arkansas Razorbacks for handling their business in the second round, knocking out Kansas. No Bill Self to coach in those couple of games for Kansas as he was doing dealing with a health issue that had him hospitalized during the Big 12 tournament itself norm roberts was the acting coach at that time so kansas being out and along that larger line there for the first time since what i think some time in the 80s no kansas no duke no kentucky and of course no north carolina because they didn't even make the tournament that none of the traditional four blue bloods are in the sweet 16 at all. Some of that was to be expected because those Blue Bloods had not played very well this season to begin with. I mean, Kansas obviously one of those, but also, again, Kansas like doing this from time to time. Uh, some shade to our friends from the Kansas Jayhawks. But uh, Duke, that was just one of those, hey, man, um, they were not a great team over the course of the season. They came on really strong and had a really great uh, kind of um, end of the season. So with that, I was, I was thinking, well, maybe – they will continue that on. But nope, nope, nope. So much for y'all's momentum. Um, that being said, I was thinking about it. After watching the first uh, weekend, I watched a lot of it with friends. And especially friends that love hoop. And the ways that I watch games with friends that love hoop is that we just kind of call out what should be happening during the game. I swing the ball, drive. You know what I mean? Uh, and with that, I realized, hey, man, there's not actually a lot of great basketball um, which is something that I I think we should all know about this. It's like, hey man, these are these are I guess development players in a way. But beyond that, 
this thing really is all about the stakes, ain't it? Right? Because I have enjoyed watching these games, a lot of these games, while actively understanding, yeah, this is not great basketball. And of course, this is not a new revelation, but it feels it feels kind of fresh just in the instance of this. But yeah, man, the stakes is all of is what this is, especially because you can't really point to like a lot of the individual players that you go, oh my God, that was an incredible moment. I mean, Drew Timmy was showing out in that Gonzaga game against um, TCU. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe you can point to a few guys here and there, but by and large, the star of this thing is the is the setup itself, man. It's the tournament. It's having all these games on. It's, you know, having close games. That's the star of this tournament more than anything. Yeah, and here's the thing, and some people are not going to like this take, but it is what it is because this is the way I feel about the NCAA tournament. And part of it is part of the experience of watching all these teams play. So let's just keep it all the way 100. It's very hard for me to watch college basketball during the course of the year. I'm not a complete diehard like there are a lot of people who are diehard fans of college basketball. So I don't get to have the kind of bandwidth that expands for me to watch college basketball on a regular basis. My point being, by the time I get to the NCAA tournament, as much as people may not like it, part of what I'm here to see, for me personally, Mm -hmm. are the best teams in the country. So let me tell you what the last thing I want to see is. What? Fairly Dickinson knocking out Purdue in the first round of the NCAA tournament. What's that got to do with the best teams in the country? Theoretically, the number one seeds are part of some of the best teams in the tournament. I want to see these teams advance as far as possible because I, this is again, this is a personal thing. This is Kevin's personal thing. I don't get to watch the best teams play all that often. So at least the one chance where all of them are theoretically supposed to be together, oh, I can watch, you know, some, you know, the Brandon Millers at Alabama, the the Sassers at, you know, Houston. I can watch these guys all collectively put on a show in what's supposed to be a collection of the best basketball teams. And when they get knocked out, my investment's gone at that point. Because I was looking at the Sweet 16, and other than the 16 schools and their fans who are obviously invested in this, K-State being one of them for my man, Reg. Thank you. There's not a lot of interest for me in the Sweet 16. Like, Houston, I'm here for. Alabama, I'm here for because Brandon Miller is probably going to be one of the top five picks in the NBA draft. I maybe watched the tournament for a different reason, especially after my Tigers got eliminated. Shout out to my Missouri Tigers got eliminated by Princeton. Uh, but that's just my own personal watching because I don't get a chance to watch a lot of college basketball. Sure. So I want to see the best of the best competing. And truth be told, quiet as it's kept, y'all want to see the best teams in the Final Four and the Elite Eight too. I guess cute when the, what was it, George Mason went to the Final Four or whatever yeah. it was several years ago, that kind of thing. But I personally want to see the best of the best in the tournament. Well, here's the thing, right? College is no longer the place to see the best players under 22. That's not how this works anymore. All right? You want to watch one of the best players under 22, you got to go watch the the Metropolitans or you got to go watch G League Ignite, right? Like, this is kind of the way. And that's not on television. Because of all of the ways <laughs> that, like, talent is being distributed in some ways, like, college isn't necessarily that thing for you. So that's why I was saying, like, it's it really is the stakes of trying to see who is going to move on and the the actual bracket of it, right? The actual portion of this. Um, and yes, 214, you did tell me about Memphis. What am I supposed to do about that now? <laughs> um, that being said, It's kind of right? over for them at this point. <laughs> yeah, right, like at, at this point, really it's just the communal watching of everybody in sports watching. Like this is really all it's about, just the idea of everybody's watching this thing mm-hmm. and there are stakes on it and that's enough for a lot of people. Some people are gambling. Some people are like kind of pseudo gambling through their bracket and that's where your investment comes from. 
outside of being like an actual because there's not there's not big national teams and honestly like beyond that there like even if we did have duke or purdue how many of them cats on them teams can you name like this isn't the same and when i say that how many of those you know coaches can you tell me about and the types of offense and defenses that they like to run like college basketball just different man um, than it used to be. And that's just something that we're going to have to come to terms with. One of the things that I did notice when we talk about the actual gameplay, because mm-hmm. I've kind of lamented, I've put a lot of time into watching these things, and that's just me being a sports fan. Doesn't really turn a lot into content, but I will break down some of this. You notice there's been a lot of 10, 15-point leads in this, right? We have seen the, the you know, three-point shooting uh, basketball uh, filter its way all the way down, right? Like, not just the three points, because I don't want to blame the three-pointer. I don't want to shake my fist at that. But the idea that these teams can get a 10, 15-point lead and you can walk all of that back down, that up-and-down nature of scoring, we've seen that in basketball. And I've talked about it when we talk about the Golden State Warriors, right? Remember in 2015, it felt like, or 2016 around that time, if the Warriors got a 20-point lead on you, cancel Christmas, the game's over. Nowadays, in the NBA, a 20-point lead. Heck, you just saw the Mavs blow a 16-point lead. Um, that's also starting to be the case in college basketball, which I don't know if that's bad or good, right? Because now you're in these instances where these games will get up by 12, and you're like, I'm not sure this is over yet, so maybe that can re- uh, retain interest. But there's a lot of more instances of teams getting up by 12 or 15 that aren't just 1 versus 16 type situations. And I found that to be interesting for some reason. I haven't figured out exactly why, but I do find that interesting. Um, to the texture here from the 682 when it comes to sounds like KG performs prefers March boringness instead of March madness. Let me tell you who prefers seeing the best of the best. Just for an example for you, who wants to see the best of the best in the Elite Eight in the Final Four in the National Championship game? The television partners who broadcast this stuff and pay the billions of dollars that they do. Case in point. Kansas and North Carolina last year played the national championship game. You know how many people watched that national championship game? A lot. Over 18 million people watched that game last year. That's why I said a lot. The most ever on a cable network for watching a national championship game. Here's a little dirty secret for you. They want the biggest teams in the tournament to make it to the finals too because they know that's money in the pocket. So as much as how cute it is for – all these small schools to make the little runs to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Guess who don't want them there either? The television partners who watch these and broadcast these games. Sure, but I think, okay, so I think that's a fair point, especially when you talk about the Final Four. I wonder if leading up to it, people are watching more for just the, like. In the first week of the tournament, I would say. I think that this is just what we do. Yeah. Right? Like, this this tournament itself is a cultural phenomenon in America. And so people get invested. You know how many people filled out a bracket that don't give a damn about no college basketball? Correct. There's a lot of people, yeah. It's just what we do. And that's why I'm kind of saying, like, we have moved the stars. We have found our place where the stars are entirely not on the court. Mm -hmm. The stars are the tournament itself and it's a really weird place to be and I don't know how sustainable or actually there is some sustainability within that I don't know how good that is for the sport especially if you're here for like entertainment to get right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fame we see this is starting to turn into a hot button topic here uh, on the truckred.com text like 877 1053 you got a favorite now going into the 
Sweet 16. What, to win it? Mm-hmm. Why would I change? Houston. You say sticking with Houston? I'm still sticking with Houston. Uh, can I say, why in the absolute you-know-what did I did I believe that Duke was going to do anything? Right? I, yeah, that was a lot of y'all in that Duke bandwagon talking about they going to get to the Final Four. I th- I thought they was going to get to I gave them so much credit for finding their way to <laughs> play great basketball down the stretch. And here they go, losing to Tennessee, putting up 52 total points. By the way, the pass. Thanks for nothing. The pass to the national championship game for Alabama is clear. <laughs> They've got a nice little pass. Creighton's tough. Smoke Creighton. Okay. Good coach, well-coached basketball team. Alabama got too much talent for, for Creighton, for them not to beat them. Coming up next on the Get Right or Educate on 105 through the fan. We go inside the gray area. There may be some magic heading to our nation's capital. I still don't know what this means. You'll find out next on the Get Right. Back here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105. Three of the fan about to go inside the gray area. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Oh boy, 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 boy. Alec Medford holding it down for you here. It is a final in Miami in the semifinals of the World Baseball Classic. Japan walk gets a, off. a walk-off hit. Two-run double. Yeah, a two-run double gives Japan the 6-5 win over Mexico, so your World Baseball Classic final is now set. It will be Team USA taking on Team Japan, which means Shohei Otani and Team Japan versus Mike Trout and Team USA. I should say more so. I should say Trey Turner because Trey Turner been on one in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, for Team USA. Hey, man, this speaks in some ways to the idea of stakes, man. Like, I understand that, especially stateside, there's been a lot of folks that have been like, yo, World Baseball Classic, what does this actually matter? Like, clearly, the people that are... They've done a terrible job promoting The it. people that I'm are invested in you. it have been, yeah. have been like, real lit, right? You've seen the various uh, different stadiums that have been filled to the brim with excited fans. And, I mean, we turn on this game. I mean, and- the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico game the other night, was lit we in t- Miami. We turn know? on these games. Yeah. Like, you look at the stakes that are in it, and we're like, oh, man, all of a sudden the investment is there on top of the fantastic situation that was just put into play uh, for Japan where they have two on the bases, you know, no outs, and they need a run to tie it up, and they get more, one more than what they need. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, I said all that to come back around. Metfer, you was telling us about a picture that Japan has? Yeah, so there is this pitcher. I'm going to get his name here in just a second. That no start, He started the game for Japan tonight. Mm-hmm. He's 21 years old, and he has a rocket arm. That is absolutely unfair. His name is Roki Sasaki. 21 years old. He threw 20 fastballs tonight, right? Mm-hmm. 19 of them were over 100 miles per hour. <laughs> and he averaged 100.5 miles per hour on his fastball. And he went five or six? No, see, uh, here's the thing, though. I do not see his final stat line. In the World Baseball Classic, I think the maximum a starting pitcher can go, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is a maximum of two innings because oh, of yeah. the whole, you know, yeah, yeah. Major League in, Baseball. In and that's yeah. what that's what my thought was. I was like, because, again, you were discussing him as the possibility of a starter, especially when he is eventually available to make the MLB in three years, you were saying, which is a fascinating concept. But I'm like, hey, man. 
I don't my brain doesn't comprehend a starter who consistently throws a hundred. Like those things don't go together. How are you going distance throwing that damn hard? And so it makes sense that he would only go a couple innings there. But I I am intrigued now. I will go and read some more stuff to find out about the starter throwing a hundred consistently. Well, if you want some more info on him back on what would that be, April tenth of last year, he threw a nineteen strikeout perfect game. In I'm Japan. sorry, what? A 19-strikeout perfect game on April 10th, 2022. He struck out 19 of the 27 dudes that stepped up to the plate. That's correct. In a perfect game. Yeah. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. As we go inside the gray area, this comes from Jeff Passan, who apparently wrote a piece on this young man. Roki Sasaki is 21 years old, and in the eyes of some talent evaluators, he is already in the discussion for the title of the best pitcher in the world. Good gracious. I mean, if you just going to throw heat all the damn time, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, here's – okay, so MLB on Fox had some more on this. So, first overall pick in the 2019 NPB draft uh, for the Shiba Loti Marines. Doing fantastic. He has t- – he has 241 strikeouts in 192 and two-thirds innings pitched. We need to get him some competition. His average fastball velocity is 98.4 miles per hour. And as Medford mentioned, through a 19-strikeout okay. perfect game on April 10th, 2022. That makes a little bit more sense. I was like, hey, man, you can't tell me you about to go five or six throwing a hundred consistently. I I refuse to believe it. What kind of bionic arm issues that? You know? Yeah, Medford, you mentioned this earlier. Yeah, he struck out Randy Arozarena on a 102 mile an hour fastball. And when I tell you Arozarena looking like, what the hell just happened here? That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're asking the same question in Memphis because the Mavericks blew a 16-point lead. They were up 96 to 80 and with one minute, four seconds left in the third quarter. They blow that lead and score a grand total of 12 points in the fourth quarter. They lose 112 to 108, despite Kyrie Irving going for 28. Jaron Jackson Jr. was an absolute beast for the Memphis Grizzlies, he had 28 points on 10 of 16 from the field. Desmond Bain doing what he does best, and that's tear up the Mavericks. Uh, he had 17 points. He did just shoot one of seven from three, though, so he wasn't great from three. Tyus Jones was good, though, for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, with 17. We'll have more on that at the top of the hour here on the get right. Uh, there could be some magic, though, headed to Washington. Did y'all see this? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. Source is telling John Keim of ESPN, Magic Johnson has joined the group bidding to buy the Washington Commanders. Ah, okay. Irvin Magic Johnson has joined a group led by Josh Harris bidding to own the Washington Commanders, sources confirmed to ESPN on Monday. Now, of course, Johnson, the Basketball Hall of Famer and part owner, owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, was part of the Harris group when it failed to land the Denver Broncos this past summer. Harris also owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL's New Jersey Devils. 
Now, of course, Washington owners Daniel and Tanya Snyder, or excuse me, Tanya Snyder, uh, announced their intention to sell the team in November. Forbes listed the value of the franchise at $5.6 billion. Yeah, Magic got money. His money is long. I just He's just going to be one of these dudes that puts in and it's like, all right, man, whenever this money goes up, I will get my dividends. But other than that, like, that's cool. Like, Magic Magic likes being involved in the sports of these things. But, all right, like, I, don't, I don't really know what to do beyond that. Uh, Harris's group was also strengthened earlier this month when he was joined by Mitchell Rails, a billionaire who lives in Washington, D.C., who has a net worth of $5.5 billion. Sportico was the first to report Johnson's involvement in getting involved with the Harris group to possibly purchase the Washington Commanders. Now, sources also tell Harris, uh, say that Harris's group is one of four who toured Washington's facilities in advance of the sale. Tillman Fertitta, who owns the NBA's Houston Rockets, was also another individual who toured Washington's facilities. The other two groups have remained anonymous. So, Tillman Fertitta. Was he a part of a group or is he the lead on the group? Because, hey, man, where are you getting all this money from? I mean, let's face it. He's he's rich, but also, like, there's different levels of rich. And I I do not often consider Tillman Fertitta as the level of rich that would, like, single-handedly or at least primarily be the dude in on the, bat, on the football team. But I guess he bought the Rockets relatively recently. I want to say maybe a decade not even a decade ago uh and he basically bankrolls the entirety of the university of houston's booster situation so i guess mm-hmm. hey maybe maybe it's just money re- ready to go ready he to does work have around. a net worth of over eight billion yeah he he's good to go yeah but uh, now how much of that is tied up in sports already right like you need a good amount of that to be liquid unless you're um buying this in some way on debt I don't know. Either way, he's a billionaire walking around Washington, possibly trying to buy the Washington Commanders. Uh, shout out to the 254. Reggie, you was on the Jody Mack show last night. Sounding like a pro. Good job, brother. This is, this is uh, oil field hand. All right. I'm, I'm glad that I, I'm glad that it sounded good. That's all. Because so, yeah. I tell you, I was not feeling good. Per ESPN's Adam Schefter, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, gentlemen. Money, money, money. We'll sign, speaking of money, yeah, we'll sign a multi-year extension next week during the league meetings. Per a 2020 New York Times report, it revealed Goodell at the time was making $63.9 million per season and has reportedly made, this is again as of 2020, mm-hmm. has reportedly made over 500 million dollars since becoming commissioner of the National Football League in 2006. That is more than any NFL player in history. Yeah, man. Name reason why Roger Goodell getting a contract extension? Because he makes everybody all of the money. Right. That's that is his job above all else to keep keep this <laughs> NFL thing making money and it has done that, right? Um, I don't know how much you go, well, how much of it is because of him, but uh, he has navigated them through some some 
odd situations and managed to make this go. In fact, like he's had a somewhat of a personal rebrand himself. Remember he came in trying to be like the hammer? Judge, jury, and executioner. Right, right. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to protect the shield. He is no longer that guy. In fact, he comes off, I don't know, to everybody, right? Because I know a lot of Cowboys fans will still constantly see the Ezekiel Elliott session whenever they see that man. But he almost comes off as a more sympathetic figure compared to his bosses, right? Like you talk about the summer of George Floyd. He was in some ways keeping some of this things, some of these things at bay, right? The idea of the ways in which the hiring practices in the NFL goes. He is probably one of the more sympathetic figures when you look, when you start talking about who uh, the NFL is. So I've been kind of amazed by the way that he's done this. And I, I mean, not necessarily in a positive or negative way, just kind of been fascinated um, at the role being a sports executive has has in the ways that he's been able to uh, exist in that lane. Finally, here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan inside the gray area. So there's a story out there today that ESPN could be in the process of about to lay off 7,000 individuals at the Worldwide Leader. Stephen A. Smith had something to say about that today mm-hmm. when talking about the expectation that ESPN is going to lay off some of his employees. He said, quote, they're going to have they're going to have to have cuts coming. Hell, for all I know, I might be one of them, in quote. To which I say, no, you're not. Uh, one thing's for sure. Two things for certain. Stephen A. Uh, you're not going to be one of those guys getting cut. That being said, right, we are getting to this place where some of these businesses that we were thought were like giant and untouchable in a lot of ways. No, look around. A lot of layoffs happening, right? When we look at some of these companies, and it's not just in entertainment, tech, all of these things. A lot of these companies that were like, oh man, constant growth or at least like uh, unflappable, looking real flappable. And look, I'm not here to like cause a panic. But if Disney is out here like, yo, we got to cut it back. I'm like, hey, man, what hope is there for the rest of us, dog? (laughs) What is happening, man? Touche. Let's inside the gray area here on the Get Right and Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Coming up next, the Mavericks found another way to creatively lose a basketball game. We'll tell you how they did it next on 105 through the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.